So first of all, I almost want to say welcome to my house because you're in the youth space and I love that. It's not really mine, but uh, this is the space where your student, our students worship every week and like getting to have you here and be here with you is just pretty stinking awesome in my opinion. <sighs> and I want to tell you that the message that I have prepared today Sometimes you just kind of shake your head at what God has done and what he's doing. And you realize he puts things together. And some of the words that we sang today, did you catch? Some of the words that we sang, we didn't know Debbie was going to be sharing her testimony. We didn't know what God had put in my heart to share with you about decluttering the soul today. But whoa, I'm so excited. And I hope, I hope that you leave today encouraged, encouraged and excited about what God is doing in our community, in this group of people here. He's moving. Do you get it? Oh, oh it's exciting. Okay. <laughs> Let me just breathe for a minute. And guys, sitting in this space, I don't know if you noticed, the, this is not in the sermon, by the way, the lowered ceilings, sitting on the front row, I could hear you singing. We weren't losing so much of our sound to our tall sanctuary. And it just blesses my little southern heart to hear all the singing and all the things so all right so a couple of weeks ago marie kicked off our new sermon series decluttering our soul decluttering your soul letting go of the stuff that weighs us down <clears throat> i was away actually the day that she opened that series bah humbug um, but it was significant for me because I had no idea that she was going to be talking to you about who Marie Kondo is, the, the declutter your space, the tidy your space lady who wrote the book and has the Netflix series. And this was significant for our family because Josh had said, hey, baby, I think we should watch the show. <laughs> and so we had spent that same weekend starting on that process. And again, just to remind you, this is the process where you go through your stuff and you hold it in your hands and you say, does this spark joy? I know you've seen all the memes, so I won't remind you of all those. But that purpose, that thoughtfulness is pretty cool, okay? If it's not something that sparks joy in her method, according to her method, then you let it go. And that's kind of a cool thing. So, side note, since moving to Rolla, our family has moved around a bit. Okay, a lot. A lot. There are many reasons for this, but one of the benefits has been that moving prompts going through your junk. So when you move boxes on multiple occasions in a small amount of time, you begin to consider what do I value? What do I really need to keep? And what, for the love of Pete, am I willing to ask my friends to move for the 14th time? Not really 14, but close. <laughs> With each move, we have gone through toys, books, clothing, furniture, random wires <laughs> that we keep for someday. I believe him. I do. I do. But with each move, you're welcome. <laughs> He's shaking his head at me. With each move, um, we have gotten rid of stuff. 
And that's been really, really good. And still, it feels like we have so much stuff. Can you relate? Ugh. For example, Josh and I have a fairly spacious master bedroom in our home, two nice-sized closets, a full-size chest of drawers and a small dresser, ample room, right? But guess what is always scattered around our bedroom? Clothes. Sorry, that was probably really loud in the microphone, I apologize. But that's how I really feel about it, okay? There is always clothing somewhere it shouldn't be. There's a pile of clean clothes in the desk chair. There's a pile of dirty clothes on the floor, even though we do have a hamper. It's not just his. Let me, let me say that. <laughs> it's not one-sided. It is us, okay? And, you know, then there's always that laundry basket. Tell me if anybody else experiences this, that one laundry basket that you're not quite sure. Is that dirty? Is that clean? Or is it? Yeah, hopefully, well, I don't know if it's right to say hopefully I'm not the only one with this struggle. That may not be nice. Uh, But fortunately for us, Marie Kondo's method of decluttering begins with clothing. And do you know what step one requires? You take every piece of clothing you own. Thankfully, we didn't have to do the kids' clothes. You take every piece of clothing that you own and you put all of it in one gigantic pile on your bed. Yeah, all of it, all of it. And you take every single item, like Marie said, and you hold it and you thoughtfully consider whether or not it sparks I'm going to be very honest with you. There were a lot of tears for me in this process. I looked up at one point and Josh goes, Woman, are you crying? You look shocked. Why are you shocked? There was a lot of grief over clothing that seemed so ridiculous. Some pieces were sentimental and took me to a place in my mind. They reminded me of moments with loved ones. The sparkly beaded top that my late mother wore to my wedding. The t-shirt that I wore the week that I met Josh. That was a long time ago. The wavy green tank top that I wore on our favorite family vacation. It was emotional. Then there were the items. Oh, good grief. Then there were the items that no longer fit. You know? And in the interest of honesty, my body's changed a lot in the last three years and not for the better. And having to stand with pieces of clothing that did spark joy for that body that no longer spark joy for this one. And be honest. I had to accept Those items no longer belonged in my closet. They weren't going to be worn. They're not going to be worn anytime soon. It hurts. It hurts. It's like emotional surgery. 
over clothing. Tears. Josh's journey for with clothing was not nearly this emotional. Let me just say that. <laughs> Bless the Lord. <clears throat> but as God often does, he showed me things in that process. And he helped me to let go of what wasn't joyful for me any longer. By the way, guess what my word for the year is? Joy. Before Marie Kondo, before we, you know, sang songs this morning about joy, <laughs> God whispered this word in my heart and said, Paige, I want you to reclaim joy this year. He's got me on a, re- on a journey to reclaim. To reclaim that spark in my heart that couldn't burn very brightly because of all the clutter around it. Today we're going to be talking about the clutter of our inner thought life. Our inner self-talk. Kind of like emotional surgery. Just saying. But recently I had what I believe to be a spirit-led epiphany. For the last three years I have been saying out of my mouth it's been a hard year (laughs) guys that's not an untrue statement that's not an untruth that I'm saying but the epiphany was that not only was I saying it out of my mouth they were on auto repeat in my head auto repeat For every time I spoke these words out of my mouth, it was probably said hundreds, if not thousands of times in my mind. And for nearly each time it was thought, there were life circumstances I would list along with that thought to prove that it had been hard. We moved again. That's hard! (laughs) Our income changed. I had to go to work outside the home and outside the church. Our pastor moved away. Things at church have been painful. Friendships have been lost and damaged. My friend moved away. My uncle died. Guys, all these things are true. These are things that happened. But man, the weariness that follows with staring at your own navel. Are you guys familiar with that term, navel-gazing? You get so busy looking for your own lint that everything else goes away. We get so self-focused and so... that nothing else matters. We don't think that way. We don't think that's true. But that's what happens. I became so consumed with focusing on what was painful and hard, that I wasn't spending any time focusing on the good that was happening. And trust me, good stuff was happening. Here's the revelation that came. As long as my mantra stays, it's been a hard year. I'm telling myself what I expect. Now, I don't believe that words are magical But I do believe in the the power of influence that our words have 
on our minds and in our lives. As long as I set my expectation at this level, I'm never going to go beyond that level if my expectation is right here. Now, aside, it is important to me that you understand that I am not preaching a sermon about the power of positive thinking. Because positive, just in and of itself, the power of positive speaking can be just as damaging. Because those of us who have experienced positive thinking lives will tell you we get in a place of denial where, oh, it's all good. It's been a hard year, but Jesus is good. It's been a hard year, but God is faithful. I would suggest that we need to subtract the but and add an and. That's a whole nother thing. But this is not a message about the power of positive thinking. Acknowledging what is true and believing God has power in our lives in good times and in bad times actually builds our faith and allows us to have vision for the future. Sorry. Vision for the future. As long as I'm staring at my own navel, I have no vision for the future. Do you understand? The reality was this. My mind became a very cluttered place. I'm speaking to you today out of a place of not on the mountain having gone, yes, I've arrived, I've figured it out. I'm speaking to you as one who is journeying through this. We don't perfect. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We don't perfect. We continue and we journey and we process and we learn. And I may have to redo this lesson again. God help me. I may have to do this lesson again 10 years from now and go through similar things because God may have new things to say in the process. My mind, when it gets cluttered, I forget that I have spiritual tools, spiritual tools to declutter for that very purpose, to declutter my mind, that I was hoarding. Do you understand? I was hoarding my thoughts and memories thinking somehow if I kept them like those wires, I might use them someday. I might use that memory of that time that person hurt me. See what I'm saying? And the greatest work I can do isn't work at all. See, I get lazy and I think, oh, I don't want to deal with my spiritual mind. I don't want to deal with decluttering because it's so hard. Just like decluttering your closet is hard. I think, I've convinced myself, the enemy has helped me to think. It's so hard. It's not work at all to sit in the presence of God. And that's where it starts. And that's not to say it's easy. What he's going to do after the fact. But coming to him, that first step. The best thing I can do is sit in the presence of God and ask him to renovate my thoughts and help me to renew my mind. In the clutter of life, I don't know about yours, but in mine, in the clutter of life, I forget I have tools. Just like Marie Kondo can show you how to fold a shirt into something the size of a napkin. The Bible 
have tips for us on caring for our thoughts and doing with them what is healthy and good. But before we look at some of those tips, I'd like to look at some of the traps that we fall into in our thought life, okay? I'm going to go through some of these quickly because I think they're easily understandable, understanded by all of us. There is one I will spend a little more time with because it was revelational, revela- revolutionary, revelatory, thank you, I'll take suggestions. <laughs> but it's, it, it was new for me a few years ago, and it's been incredibly helpful in the process of decluttering my mind, okay? So, trap number one, not taking stock of our thoughts and giving them to God. That's a trap we fall into. I just don't want to sometimes, Okay? <laughs> I don't want to take responsibility for some of those thoughts. Trap number two, replaying negative tapes from childhood, past wounds, past hurts over and over. You know, some of you hear your parents, you're just this, you're just that. Sometimes you hear those things, those tapes that play automatically when certain circumstances arise. Allowing the voice of the enemy to be the primary voice that we hear. And none of us would say as Christians, oh yeah, I'd let the enemy talk to me. But guys, we do it without even realizing we're, we're do, we allow him to say things to us. This one's tough. Using escapism and distraction to self-medicate. Social media, binge-watching TV and movies, Alcohol, food, I could continue that list, but that's painful. That's painful to say out loud. But these are traps that we easily fall into. And last, creating our own internal drama. This is the one we're going to spend a little time on today because I don't think we even know that we do it sometimes. A few years ago, I was reading a, a blog by Donald Miller. Some of you know who he is. He wrote Blue Like Jazz, if you're familiar with that book, and several others. He's got some really cool stuff out there. Um, but he shared about an experience that he, ha- he had with his therapist. Don't roll your eyes. Stay with me. But I am going to need a volunteer. Jackie, will you come help me? She knew about this. I asked ahead of time. We have here three pillows, okay? Let me make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing first. Oh, before we do the pillows. You know how sometimes you have conversations in your head with other people? Where you argue with them and you play both roles? (laughs) That's what this is about. Not just arguing but talking in two voices and having a conversation that maybe isn't the healthiest, okay? You put your pillow on the floor. So what we have here is three pillows in a row, and I'm going to step on my pillow, and Jackie's going to step on hers. My pillow represents my thoughts, my mind, my emotions, my feelings, the expression of myself that I choose to show the world. Jackie's pillow represents the same thing. 
her thoughts, her emotions, her feelings, the way she chooses to express herself to the world. Okay? Woo! The pillow between us is our friendship. This is healthy. This is good. I like her a lot. Okay? And as long as we are in this relationship and we share this space, we can choose words to make sure that our relationship stays healthy. And there are times we have to say hard words to maintain a healthy space. Okay? Because I am putting the expression of myself that I want to in the relationship, and so is she. If at any point one of us becomes uncomfortable, we can, we can step back a little, take a breath, and decide how much of our foot we want to put on the pillow. And this is a healthy expression of relationship. I'm going to show you what is not healthy. When I step into Jackie's thoughts, well, if I say this, she's going to do that. If I do this, he's going to respond this way. You follow me? I have just trampled all over her pillow. And that is not healthy. And that is not good for my mind. I can't tell you how many times I have tried to live <laughs> on someone else's pillow. She's my sister-in-law, so I can write my letter under. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you, Jackie. How much time, how much time, and some of you, this may not be an issue at all. Some of you do not struggle with this particular element of your mental life. But how much time do we spend trying to figure out what somebody else is thinking, what somebody else is going to do, and how they're going to respond before we ever invite them to participate in the conversation at all? It's crowded. It's cluttered. And completely unnecessary. Since I have begun practicing recognizing when I am on someone else's pillow, do you know what I do? Oh, I'm on so-and-so's pillow. Get off, Paige. I yell at myself. We'll get there. <clears throat> I can actually get myself out of that place emotionally. I can take that and sh put it out of my mind, believe it or not. When I'm, doing, when I'm doing the pillow thing, I'm using mental energy, crowding my mind with information that I do not know to be true. I'm actually creating internal drama. Nobody else is responsible for it. The enemy likes to, likes to dabble in that, I'm sure. But I allow it. I sometimes feed on it, and I feed it more and more. Thankfully, there is a way to stop this, as well as some of the other internal battles of our self-talk and inner thoughts. So we're going to look at our primary scripture for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Feel free to use the church Wi-Fi. Um, 
on your device, or if you have Bibles with you, we also have some back on the shelf over there if you prefer. This passage um, has actually been one of the most helpful and practical in my life, in my journey as a Christian. This particular verse is very, very special to me, which makes it all the more Ugh, when the enemy tries to use it against me, like, go, Paige, you say this is your favorite scripture, and you have all this internal struggle that you've dealt with, and you let this happen and this Hear all that negative self-talk that the enemy is throwing at me? And the Holy Spirit says, come, let me remind you that you have tools. There's no shame. There's no shame that I forgot. There's no shame that I got lazy. There's no shame. But these verses are incredibly practical because they represent something we can actually do. You know, sometimes it feels like spiritual things can be very out there, and if you don't feel really connected in that way, and you might think, oh, well, I, 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 don't know what, I don't know what to do out there. Well, this is a do. Okay? This is something we can do. It can help. Okay? Starting with verse 3, we're going to read through verse 5. For though we live in this world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, I used to read these words and think that I was demolishing arguments and pretensions out there. Like when people would tell me what they believed about young earth creationism or one of those other debatable topics in the kingdom, right? I used to think that it was about defending what I believed to be true about God and the kingdom. I love instead the idea that being filled with the Holy Spirit, I have powerful weapons at my disposal to take my own thoughts captive, to dispel what is false or a lie, speak what is true, and bring my mind into agreement with God about that truth. Whoa! Do you get how powerful this is? How, like, ah, what are our weapons? If we don't fight with the weapons of the world, what are the weapons we fight with? What kind of weapons are we using to demolish the thoughts that are swirling. You guys ever have swirling thoughts? Where they just... Yeah, okay. The thoughts that are swirling in our minds. Here are some listed in a very familiar passage about the armor of God from Ephesians 6, starting with verse 14. And you'll notice I've highlighted, or uh, made all caps, some words. <laughs> okay. Starting with verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What do you think the flaming arrows of the evil one are? Somebody say it. Our thoughts. He comes at us here. Most of the time, the enemy does not show up knocking on my door and say, hey girl, what's up? Sorry, my, my youth pastor person is coming out right now. <sighs> Most of the time, he doesn't show up in a way that's like gl- glaringly physical or obvious. Usually, he gets in here and there are these little arrows and darts. Imagine fiery arrows as thoughts. And how do we fight that? How do we use these weapons with our inner thoughts? I have some thoughts on the matter. Good thoughts. We can ask, number one, truth. Is this thought true? Righteousness. Does this thought represent my right standing with God that I'm accepted, loved, and forgiven? When we think about righteousness, church people, people who grew up in church, we have to step away from the understanding that righteousness means I'm right, you're wrong. Because we have some wrong thinking about that word. And we think about righteousness, it is used to protect our heart. The breastplate of righteousness covers the vital organs of the body. If you think about a breastplate, it's protecting what is vital. And what is vital is that I understand that my right standing with God is that I am loved, accepted, and forgiven. That is all my righteousness is. It's being hidden in Jesus, and he is good, and I get to be in that. Okay? Peace. Does this thought bring or come from a place of peace? Guys, if you've got chaotic swirling thoughts where you've got all this doubt and confusion is the primary feeling that comes with a thought that is not God. God is not the bringer of chaos and confusion. He is the bringer of peace. Here's another question about faith. Do I believe what God says about me? about this person, this thought, this situation. When we're examining our thoughts, these are good questions. We have power, guys, to do battle inside our minds. Let's go back to that original passage and look at the action that we take, starting in verse 4 of um, 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. I'm going to skip ahead. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Imagine with me, if you will, having a net. One that catches our thoughts. As a thought comes to mind, particularly negative, drama-filled, maybe ugly, or even downright evil, scary Imagine having a net and catching that thought and kind of bringing it out of your head, out of this nebulous place up here, and bringing it down and looking at it. 
So now we've caught the thought, what does it mean to make it obedient to Christ? That's where those, that's where those tools come in. Is it true? Does it come from a place of peace? God, did you send this thought? Is this healthy for me? Is this true about that person or me? Can I know that right now? Once we identify that a thought is not from God, do you know what we get to do with it? Here, God, <laughs> take it. I don't want this crap anymore. I don't want this. Take it away. Guys, there have been times when I've had particularly heavy, fiery darts, you know what I mean? Where I've had to pray that prayer over and over and over. Many, many times within the same 10 minutes. Do you get me? And the beautiful thing is, if I am faithful to practice that, God, I'm giving this thought to you again. God, it's there again. Will you take it? God, here it comes again. Take it. The enemy is relentless sometimes. But do you know what happens when we are faithful to hand those thoughts over? The enemy actually gets tired. He's not like God. He's not an untirable source. The enemy gets tired, and he's like, oh, she's going to keep doing that. I guess I'll go do something else right now. And eventually... As God takes it over and over again, those times, it's not like that every time. The peace comes, and the enemy says, it's just not worth it. She's going to keep doing the same thing with these thoughts I'm sending. She's going to give them to God. Now, as I have practiced this in my walk with God, my prayers are sometimes comical. When I recognize the enemy is saying something stupid or awful, sometimes I just shout, No! So if you ever hear me, just like shout out, no, I'm probably not yelling at a person, probably having a conversation with the enemy about being a turd nugget. I said it. Because he is, he is like that. And the more I dispel that he has any power in my life, the more I'm free to remember the power I do have as a child of the king filled with his spirit. But guys, Make no mistake, I can laugh about it and share and say slightly inappropriate things. But the reality is this is spiritual warfare. And I think that somehow we've gotten convinced that spiritual warfare is this big spiritual thing that pastors do. <laughs> the enemy would love for us to believe that. That spiritual warfare is what the pastors and the board do when they get together and have a meeting. We have spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is what every single one of us who loves Jesus and has said, I want to follow him and do what he's asking me to do. Every single one of us does spiritual warfare. Whether or not you are participating right now, I don't know. But you're invited to pick up the tools that God's given you and come to the battle for your mind. When I am obsessing over some past hurt 
when those details are rolling around in my mind for the humpteenth time, I can catch my thoughts. Say, God, I'm doing it again. Help me. Two of the greatest words we can ever utter. Help me. And he's there to speak truth to my spirit because the spirit of God lives in me, dwells in you, lives in you. This is practical application, guys. Practical application for decluttering your soul with your inner thoughts. And guess what comes? Peace. Like a well-made bed and clothes put away, walking into a bedroom that invites me to sink into my bed at night. Peace. His peace passes all understanding, knowing he's working on me on the inside, cleaning up my mental closet, teaching me to fold my shirts, keep what sparks joy, and the rest give to him. So I want to finish up with some action points today for all of us. Please know, again, that I'm sharing this with you as a cohort, not speaking from any mountains, but as one who is walking through this right now in my own spiritual life, sharing from the trenches, not from the mountaintop. So some action points that we want to share today um, will help us practice because as we sharpen our tools, we become stronger. We encourage one another. We practice regaining our peace more quickly. We flex these spiritual muscles and we grow. And a year from now, we're in a different place. Okay? What can I do? Action points. Number one, practice mindfulness. Become aware of your own thoughts. Sometimes we don't even think about thinking about our thoughts. Taking stock. What am I thinking? Becoming mindful. What is going on in my thought life? Does, does my thought life just have free reign to go wherever? Or do I ever pull my thoughts back and go, what was that? Where did that come from? Practicing mindfulness allows us to take stock of what's going on up here. Number two, practice thankfulness. Am I actively thanking God for the things that I have in my life, or am I constantly swirling about what I don't have or what I think I'll never have? Thankfulness puts us in a spot to acknowledge what God has already done, and it opens up a space to remind us what he will do. Number three, practice participation. Am I inviting God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in to help me with my thought life? Or do I think I've got it all? I'm good. I'm good. I don't need help. Nope. I'm good. None of this applies to me, Paige. I'm good. I warn you, <laughs> gently, 
we all need help with our thoughts. <laughs> so if you've convinced yourself that you don't need any help, I gently ask you to consider inviting the Holy Spirit to participate with you in your thought life. Okay? Number four, practice warfare. Am I using the weapons God has given me to combat the weapons of deceit and lies that the enemy uses? Am I examining my thoughts in the, in the lens of truth, peace, faith, and righteousness? Practice prioritizing. <sighs> Big old mirror right here. Practice prioritizing. Am I making space in my physical schedule to talk to God about it? Am I making any space for him? It's a practice to prioritize. Some people are naturally gifted with the gifts of prioritization. I am not she. But I can practice and I can grow and I can glean and learn. And maybe today you've been believing lies the enemy is speaking to you. Maybe you don't even realize because you think it's your own voice saying, you're just stupid. <laughs> you're ugly. No one will ever love you. You don't deserve love. You don't deserve that promotion. You don't deserve... Maybe the enemy has you convinced that that's your voice saying those things, that you're telling yourself those truths. And when we're convinced that something is true, it's really hard to convince ourselves that it's a lie. But once we've identified it, we can address it, code it in truth, and let it go. Maybe you feel stuck today, replaying hurtful words or actions from a friend, co-worker, loved one, family member. Maybe they're on auto-repeat in your brain, and you just want some peace from the swirling. Maybe you recognize that you are all up on somebody else's pillow, thinking their thoughts, imagining what they'll do, Urgh. trying to figure it all out to make it work out best for you. So maybe you're ready for the drama Ooh, to stop. Maybe, like me, you have practiced distraction or escapism to self-medicate because it feels easier than sitting in God's presence. He tells us, guys, he tells us, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me if you're weary, and I will give you rest. It doesn't say, I will condemn you, and I will make you feel shame for being so stupid for not coming to me earlier. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Why don't we get that? Why do I wait so long to run into his arms? Why do we wait? He doesn't come to condemn us, but to set 
us free. At the vineyard, we recognize that nobody has it all together. Look around the room. Take a sec. Nobody. That person that you think is so wonderful and so great and so perfect at this, that, or the other. Nobody has it all together. It's a level playing field, guys. It's a level playing field. And we want this place to be a place where we can be real and authentic even when it hurts. We want this to be a place where you feel heard, where you can receive prayer, and be encouraged. If you find yourself with a burdened, cluttered mental space this morning, there are people around you who will pray for you. There are people here who would love to pray. And they might need you to pray for them. So here's what we're going to do. If you guys would stand with me. I'm going to dismiss us. But we're dismissed with a, with a purpose. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come for us to be dismissed in our gathering. But we're also going to create a space for prayer. So I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Those of you that need to depart, feel free to do so. Those of you that would like prayer, I'm asking you to take a risk and just put your hand in the air. Somebody, not right this second. Somebody, sorry. Somebody around you will come to you. Several someones will come and pray for you. Guys, don't be afraid to ask for God's help in this decluttering process. We We really can't do it alone. (laughs) We need him, and we need each other. All right, I'm going to pray, and then as we pray, if you want to just lift your hands, people around you will, will look as we dismiss, and we'll gather around you to pray, all right? Holy Spirit.